Thank you for joining us for Opportunity Makers. Notch was founded by two immigrants, and ahead of National Immigrants Day, we wanted to showcase and profile storytellers and leaders across different sectors and industries to prove that immigrants, by and large, are opportunity makers, not opportunity takers. A perfect example of that is Laura Vandenberg, who joins us today. Laura is the former SVP of Marketing and Communications at Notch, and has since gone on to start her own company called Publicist which is an online marketplace that connects public relations and marketing talent with brands and companies that need project-based work. Laura, would love to kick us off with just your coming to America story. Like what led you to uh, America? What kind of was the drive to come here? And was that something you were always looking to do? Or was it something that you just kind of found yourself a part of? Yeah. So I, from a very young age, became infatuated and very um, starry-eyed by New York in particular. And um, when I was at university in Australia, I found, and I was working full-time at the same time. And every time I was coming Um, every time I had vacation, I would come to New York and actually use it as like a bit of a networking opportunity. And I was just meeting with everyone to understand um, and a lot of expats, um, Australians to figure out what was their trajectory, what was their journey, how easy was it in terms of getting sponsored um, with a visa. Um, And I, at the end of university, I worked for a couple of years and then decided to Um, make the move to New York, kind of book a ticket, didn't really know anyone in my age category or didn't know what I was going to do, didn't have a lot of experience, but just knew that um, New York was the place that I wanted to be. Um, So kind of booked a one-way ticket um, and hoped for the best. So came over without a visa, um, which a lot of Australians do. And essentially, you know, you come over and it on an Esther and you have 90 days, it's like the race, a race against a clock to, to find a job and get sponsored in 90 days. And so I really treated that like a, a job in itself. Um, so yeah, that was the, that was the how. And obviously you had visited the U S a handful of times, obviously, but what was the biggest adjustment that you maybe didn't expect when you were here kind of full time? Um, I think in terms of an adjustment, I think that New York is a city that really, um, you need to be an extrovert to some extent, and especially when you don't have a network. Um, and I think that about my personality, I'm probably equal introvert, equal extrovert, but you really need to lean into becoming a yes person because if you don't say yes, you miss out on a whole lot of opportunities. And I think that was probably one of the biggest things that I did. I just said yes to absolutely everything, if I even if I didn't want to do it. And I think that leads you to friends and opportunities and led me to... Um, the first job that I got as well and, and getting sponsored. Um, and so in terms of what was, I'm just trying to think what was the biggest adjustment? Um, it was probably forcing myself to be this like overt extrovert, um, to force myself into becoming a networker. Yeah. And we hear a lot of immigrants in the series that we, that we profiled so far, talk about like that hustle mentality being just a part of, you know, if you have the the will and determination to just leave your family or start a new journey in a, in a foreign place, even if you speak the language, um, it requires a certain amount of, of drive and hustle. So what would you accredit like your experiences as an immigrant to your current 
achievements? Like how has being an immigrant impacted where you are today? Obviously now a co-founder um, or a founder of your own of your own company. Yeah, look, I think that it is moving to a country. It's a huge risk if it doesn't work out. I mean, you have you don't have that um, family support. It's not like you can just fall back. You know, if your visa gets terminated or if you don't get that job, it's like you know, it's a twenty hour flight back to back to Australia. I think what was lucky about the age in which I came over, I was in my early twenties, and so I think the fall to the ground was probably a lot a lot, um, a lot smaller. Um, and probably, you know, there was a bit of padding, like if it doesn't work out, you just book a ticket and go home and go back and live with your parents. But I think in terms of what immigrants are, um, kind of the, let me reword this. Um, I think what's special about immigrants is they have this hustle mentality that if you can't get to point A in a linear direction, you figure out, avenue b or c or z or whatever it may be and i think that um it really teaches you to become like quite solution focused um to you know you obviously so desperate desperately want something um that you just figure out a way to to get to the outcome how do you stay rooted in kind of your australian roots and or make sure that you know as you are also becoming a founder in america i know that part of your mission following you on social is also rooted in supporting and or providing services to Australia as well. So we'd love to hear a little bit about, about that. Did you feel the need and necessity to do that, you know, to kind of give back or provide services to your home country? Or was that just another kind of route to stay rooted in where you're from and make sure that you're, you know, keeping connected to, to Australia as you continue to live in America? Yeah. So I think in terms of like the day-to-day, first of all, there are amazing Australian coffee shops everywhere in the city. Um, but, yo, know, so the first market that we opened with Publicist was the US and then very naturally to me, the second office or not even office, but the second country in which we opened was Australia. And I think that, um, you know, part of that is the connections and the relationships I have there. But Australia also has phenomenal talent in the communications and marketing industry. Um, we would love to open a bigger office there, but um, I still speak to, you know, my college and my university in a mentorship program. Um, um, and I am a big supporter of Australians that are moving to the US as well because I see that, you know, hustle and initiative and I see that starry-eyed person um, that I was eight years ago um, when I moved here. So, um, yeah, Australia also has been a great market for us to open. We, we launched it at the end of July. Yeah, and I guess on that point, kind of speaking to... Australians who are starting their journey, maybe younger in their career, like what would you, what would you say, or what do you say to young immigrants in terms of what they uniquely showcase comparatively? So to your point about kind of having to hit the ground running and have that short time frame to really get sponsored by a company, like what unique value do you think being an immigrant or just also being willing to leave your home country, leave it all behind and take this risk? Like what, what unique skills do you think immigrants provide and that you would kind of advise these young these young people to kind of sell um, in the interview process or as they're meeting with companies? Yeah, that's a great question. Look, I think that that fearlessness and relentlessness and determination are definitely soft skills that you just intrinsically have to possess um, if you are uprooting your life. And so I think really playing into um, 
into those. Um, Skill sets is super important. But yeah, I absolutely think that with immigrants and I think Aussies in particular, there is that um, relentlessness is probably the one characteristic um, that, you know, they just, they don't lose. And if they lose, then they pack up and they go home. And so I think that's a, they're probably the three, um, the three skill sets that I would recommend people play into. As a founder, you are a woman and an immigrant. So how do you think, or how do you see that playing into your overall story? Um, Obviously, probably quite different from your your role as a contributor within a company to now being a co-founder, going out and seeking investors, speaking with uh, VCs, speaking with potential partners. Um, How do those two things fuse together or how do they maybe conflict as you start to kind of submit yourself as a founder, obviously in a world that, you know, was designed for the white American male? Yeah. So I think that um, obviously being a a female and being an immigrant, um, there has been, you know, we are in the best position that we've ever been in. Um, I think 2020 has been absolutely um, pivotal, but also the years before that have kind of brought us to this position and there's a long way to go. But I think... um, being able to, and, and to your point, when when raising money and everyone um, or most people look the same and they're wearing the same and when they kind of think the same, so the status quo is really, really similar and often that happens in places like Silicon Valley, I think playing into your uniqueness and strengths and trying to educate people on who you are and what the industry is and why difference is good. And I don't, I also think that, you know, when you're hiring a team and thinking about diversity, um, diversity of thought and diversity of creativity, like that's what you want to build in a company. Um, And so I think back to being a founder and being a female and an immigrant, um, your uniqueness is also like a a total skill to be able to educate people on on different industries and facts and, um, and trends and kind of visions. And so I think that um, it's, it's a privilege and, and a skill that we have at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but what are some of the misconceptions people have about immigrants or that you've kind of experienced more directly as you've had these conversations with, with variety of people in your career? Um, what have been some of those misconceptions that you feel like you've kind of had to overcome and, or kind of change the narrative around? Yeah. So look, I think from a governmental and from like a top-down perspective, there are debates and there are studies on whether immigrants in the US are taking jobs away from um, Americans or are we adding to innovation and entrepreneurship um, Yeah, through driving innovation. And so I think that is a a systemic view that are we taking away jobs or are we adding jobs? And so, you know, in my instance, all my team are Americans and I'm a particular example where, you know, I've added to the economy, but I think that's probably um, a misconception um, that I've been faced with. And, you know, we, we experience that when we go to the visa office and we need to write documentation. Why are we fit to do this job over an American and completely understand and respect um, the processes. Um, But that's probably been a a really big misconception. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, immigration, particularly since 9-11, has been politicized. And, you know, often we forget the humans behind the conversation. And ultimately, we forget, too, that the exact immigrants that we're profiling throughout the series, many of which are executive level or co-founders or founders of their own companies or CEOs of their own companies, 
and thus are creating jobs for both Americans and, and immigrants alike. And so how can leaders, and ultimately knowing that you are centered on the comms and marketing side of organizations, how can leaders better amplify the voices and, um, and better speak to the immigrant community, knowing that it's a mixed, a mixed community, both of visible diversity and invisible diversity? How can brand leaders better amplify the, their voices and ensure that you know, their overall storytelling is inclusive to the immigrant community? Mm-hmm. God, another great question. So one of the things that I feel very strongly about, and especially in, in corporate America, um, is the kind of recruiting and graduate programs that that companies have had in place for decades. So, you know, corporate um, Fortune 1000 company X um, may recruit from the same three to five schools every year. And those people have the same values and they've had a very similar education. And so, um, and I know when, when I was at Notch, we spoke about um, being a culture ad as opposed to a culture fit. And I think that um, being able to verse to diversify um, opinions and thoughts and people and underrepresented groups. Like that's one of the things that we need to change ASAP. So I think from like um, from top down and from like the graduates that we're hiring, we need to figure out a better applicant tracking system. We need to being a, figure out how to diversify um, those processes. So I think that's a, that's a really big thing. Um, I'm a uh, strong believer in um, mentorship, both from like mentee and mentor relationships. Uh, and I think everyone in power or everyone who is a kind of a middle manager to an executive should be mentoring you know, multiple people a week. I'm in various mentor groups, um, myself as a mentor and a mentee, and really driving the conversation to empower these people to seek new mentors. And um, so I think there are lots of things that we can do as as executives, but I feel really strongly about, especially in corporate America, changing the way in which um, the graduate uh, recruiting system currently works, because we're not going to see change if we just keep on hiring the same people into the same positions. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with that more. And on that kind of similar note, you know, when we've spoken to other content and marketing and comms leaders for this series, a lot has spoken about kind of how brands still approach, you know, the American market, the South American market, the Europe market, you know, the Asian market, and all of their brand storytelling and or communication strategy, content strategy is really geared around centering to that that particular culture instead of kind of a broad brush, kind of more just inclusive communication. So knowing that, you know, publicist is centered around kind of communications and marketing execution through kind of the use of freelancers or kind of a gig economy setup. How are you seeing, or how do you think it is important for that inclusivity to be less structured based on culture and or differences and more more structured around just including those voices in the conversation to create a more holistic and inclusive strategy across kind of markets and spectrums? Look, that's a great question. And it goes back to the debate of this globalization versus localization of messaging and marketing. And there are advantages for for both because, you know, if there's a very generic worldwide campaign, that may not resonate in Asia and uh, the Middle East or whatever the the example is. And so I think you need to strike a balance. And what we are seeing um, is 
holistic and integrated marketing managers um, employing these localized messaging even I mean you still need localized messaging from the coasts of America to middle America in, in certain times. Um, so I think the localization of, of marketing is actually really important, but keeping in mind trying to trying to be as cohesive and holistic um, as possible. It's it's a real it's a really tough one to strike a balance. Absolutely. And then lastly, we are doing this conversation around National Immigrants Day, which is a holiday that is not as well covered today. It was a holiday that started in the Reagan administration and saw some popularity pre-9-11. And then after 9-11, obviously, immigration has changed as a part of our national conversation. What are some ways that you'd increase the visibility around the immigrant community and ways that we can celebrate this holiday or just the contribution that immigrants provide to our country, removing some of the politicization or kind of the stigma around immigration and really focusing on the people and sharing their their stories. I wish I had a great answer for this. Um, oh, I'm not going to say that on the record about our fearless leader of the country. Um, I'm just trying to think from like a governmental, like it needs to start from a, it needs to start federally. Like it, my, my first inclination is to say like, you know, HR and talent and CMOs can like put these initiatives together where we celebrate employees and their backgrounds and their traditions and food and culture, but it really needs to start that we're celebrated at the top. And, you know, there's a lot of immigration, um, policies that we need to come through in this country. And I think that until we get there, it's going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be really hard for immigrants. I'm trying to say this without like bringing up ice and getting super passionate, but look, I think it's in a case like this, it starts federally and it's, it's top down and we, we need to see change, um, from the top because I think immigrants, um, you know, haven't had the most just and fair experiences in the last years. Absolutely. And I think that last part is so is so true because as an HR person, I can fully comment on the fact that hiring an immigrant is a lengthy, challenging, and expensive process for companies um, of any size. And it requires dedication and willingness to do that um, on the company level right now. And I think the more federal support, guidance, and or ease of which, of which to do so will only encourage companies to do it more and mm-hmm. will remove the extra steps and processes required to ultimately hire someone of immigrant status. Bang on. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Laura. We miss you at Notch, but we're so excited about the opportunity you're creating at Publicis. Join us again next time for another episode of Opportunity Makers, where we profile top immigrants in different sectors to hear how they're creating opportunities in their own career. 